should be fun. I'm going to be doing this uh, podcast with three sleeping grandsons in an RV, so it may wake one of them up. You may hear an air conditioner go off. You may hear dogs bark, cars go by. We're in the RV on the road in Virginia Beach, and I want to. I still wanted to get this done, and so I'm trying to get it done before everybody's up and moving about. I'm managing the juggle, um, or mastering the juggle, I think we called it, but I think a better title for this series would have been managing, because I don't think we ever master the chaos of life, but as I got up this morning and kind of did my devotions, um, I feel like you know the Lord gave me some ideas and some things to go ahead and put down for part two of this series. Um, over the past couple, there goes the coffee maker, over the past couple of months, um, we have been pretty much nonstop. I suppose it's actually been longer than that because the preparation to hit the road is total chaos and requires quite a bit of juggling as well. Um, and so finding the ebb and flow and learning to manage that without burning out, um, it is one of the challenges. But just over the past uh, couple of weeks, after doing 18 shows in Florida, we did get uh, in prisons down in Florida. We did get um, a three or four days break. You know, of course, it's really hard. One of the things, hardest things for me to do is to rest by faith, to not do anything. My brain is always click, clicking. I don't mean just sitting around being idle, but I mean take my hand off the wheel of the ministry and those kinds of things. Um, you know, j just to go do something for fun is is challenging for me. I have to do it by faith. And, uh, you know, I try not to be a workaholic. Um, but nevertheless, we left Florida, um, and as soon as we left, we had a problem with one of our windows came loose. These RVs are just like a house. Something is always needing repair. So I had to get out and repair that window. It was like 140 degrees outside on a Walmart parking lot. But we got it done, and we finally made it to Charlotte, North Carolina, where we only stayed one night, had dinner with my daughter on our way back uh, to Virginia Beach, where we had some uh, ministry gigs. And uh, so then we headed straight to Virginia Beach, which was uh, probably about an eight-hour trip for us in the RV, and um, got parked and uh, got up the next day and just hit the ground running. Uh, my, my daughter and uh, son-in-law and granddaughter came to the RV, and we tried to entertain them a little bit. And you know, I was, you know, we were parked right on this little canal in the Sandbridge area of Virginia Beach, where you can fish right off the bank, right from the campsite, which is pretty nice. We found a very economical uh, place to stay when we needed to stay for a length of time in Virginia Beach, and uh, it's pretty sweet. But when we talk about fishing with my sons or my grandson or my son-in-law, what that means is that I'm teaching how to fish. I'm baiting hooks. I'm tying stuff. I'm, I'm, and, and that's fantastic. But it's also work. I love it. Don't get me wrong. But it's also you know work. And I was pretty tired and having to do all this stuff. And listen to me griping about fishing. But again. I wasn't really doing a lot of the fishing. I was mostly being the person helping facilitate everyone else doing it. Uh, got up the next day. Uh, ended up having to drive all the way to North Carolina again to pick up my grandsons and bring them back here. Now, in the midst of that, I was doing the podcast and sending emails and making phone calls. And uh, we're parked right beside uh, a, a dear friend who's also a sound engineer that we're talking with about doing some ministry things. And and uh, then got my three grandsons back here. So now add 
a new dose of chaos, some new things to juggle because now it's meals to fix and, you know, skin knees and all that and, and we want to fish and we want to go to the pool uh, all in the midst of getting ready for a big weekend. We did ministry, uh, We did music at the KOA in Virginia Beach. Sorry for the AC sound. It'll go off in a second. But we did ministry at the... Um, at the KOA in Virginia Beach, which I highly recommend. Wonderful folks, very family-oriented campground down near the oceanfront. We're not staying there this time. We found a better, uh, more economical solution for our lodging here, but we still went down there and did music for them, and they contribute to our ministry for doing that. And uh, that's quite taxing physically and emotionally, because consider we've been off for a couple of weeks uh, as far as doing any music, so i got to go back and review. There's some songs we only do like once or twice a year when we do something outside of prison when we've got to play music for two hours. So we did that and uh, you know set it all up, wire it all together, load it all back. I put my grandsons to work, you know, uh, gave them a little incentive for helping out, making them little roadies. And uh, then the very next morning, after a few hours sleep, we did a church service where, again, we had to load all of our equipment out. And uh, we bring our own system in and did this, uh, this church service, played some music, and gave some testimonies. Christ Fellowship Church in Norfolk, pastored by a dear friend, wonderful people and supporters. Uh, I'm just rambling a no, but I'm just telling you there's chaos afoot. Uh, so we left there. Of course, everybody wants to eat. So now we're taking, what, 10 people or something. Um, to go uh, do uh, dinner so we go to get pizza and and we get back to the camper and I'm telling you I am I'm just I gotta have a just a short nap I am wiped out um, killer week weekend I realized oh my gosh I haven't had a day off and you know just to kind of rest in in over two weeks and that's a no-no by the way and we're violating a principle, a blessing God gave us when we do that. And uh, we get back to the RV, and the refrigerator is on the fritz in the RV, and it's full of food. Well, it's because there had been a massive thunderstorm, and water had got inside and set off the high-pressure switch, I think it's called. So that required a trip to Home Depot and, uh, and Walmart to get some tools and parts and come back and repair that. Finally got that repaired, and listen to this blessing uh, that also became a challenge. My friend next door, uh, the RV next door, has his boat parked out here. It's a very nice boat. And uh, I'm thinking, man, I sure hope that it'd be cool if Brian took us out on the boat one time while we're here. No, instead, Brian says, to, he comes over a couple of days ago and says, hey, man, if you want to take the boat out, help yourself anytime. Takes me out, shows me how to do everything. So now my grandkids know this. So as exhausted as I am, they're chanting for a boat trip. And uh, sorry, the dogs are going off again, juggling chaos, managing the juggle, mastering the juggle. Maybe I got them quieted down for a second, but they may ramp back up. Anyway, here you go. Perfect example of uh, craziness going on and how life is a juggle. So I got up this morning and... Uh, surfing on the wave. Oh, by the way, I, I wanted to make this statement that all of this, um, you know, what, what we do is like um, surfing by faith on waves of uncertainty <laughs> because we have no guarantee 
that uh, people are going to give and keep us on the road to do what we do. And and so it's a constant, you know, Lord, we just trust you. We're going to put it you know, I, out of gratitude and really out of a sense of responsibility. I feel like I should be working my butt off because of the way that God has blessed us. Um, but but in that equation, um, there there has to be timed for rest. There has to be time for recreation. And I'll get there in a second. At the end of this, I'll, say I'll, I'll share some, some practical tips. But let me listen. To, in the middle of all this, by the way, um, you know, when we did the KOA on Sunday night, uh, I always say, you know, we, we spend our, most of our time, our real job is, is going into prisons. And I, I don't get real preachy. I can't do that in the secular kind of environment. People didn't go camping for that reason. But I got this review the next day. Listen to this. How, in, how encouraging this is. Let me find it on my phone. Here we go. This guy leaves a review on the Plunders page. I caught their gig at KOA and thought they sounded okay, enjoyable, until he bragged about doing prison shows. Totally made me sick when he stated they were in there, because, meaning the inmates were in there because they just got caught. I guess the band feels it's okay to murder, rape, steal, and commit crimes. Maybe they need to do a Just Don't Get Caught album. They are in jail. The inmates are in jail because they are a menace to society and do not need to be rewarded. Wow. Thanks a lot, fella. You know, uh, he took what I said the wrong way. I, I said something like, uh, they just got caught doing some of the things that we've done. Meaning that a lot of people do things that could have landed them in prison, especially younger in life, you know. Uh, there's a lot of people who have driven drunk, you know, just over the .08 mark. And if they would have been the one to clip that guy on a bicycle on the side of the road and take his life, they'd be in prison for manslaughter, you know, but a lot of people drink and drive and get away with it. I didn't mean murder and rape and the most heinous crimes. So I responded with a little explanation and and the guy, you know, came back with a little friendlier tone. I apologize for the way I may have said it. Nevertheless, listen to this chaos I'm dealing with right now, okay? <laughs> As I got up this morning after a day of rest yesterday and I started doing my devotionals, I turn to a proverb I'm going to share with you in just a second. But uh, I, I, I thought about, you know, success, you know, a definition that I've heard is the progressive achievement of worthwhile goals. The progressive achievement. I thought about this idea of juggling and I figured, well, I'll, let me do a little research on juggling. Um, you know, the world's best jugglers. And uh, there's one guy named Enrico Restelli uh, who died in 1931. But this guy could juggle ten balls. One of the one of the best jugglers ever could juggle ten balls or eight sticks or eight plates. Um, he could juggle multiple obstacles while having one balanced on his head, uh, even while jumping through a hoop or skipping. Another guy named Francis Bunn was a German juggler who could who was the, noted to be the first juggler to juggle 10 rings. And then another guy who apparently is still alive today <coughs> holds 10 juggling records. Uh, one includes being able to juggle seven rings for 15 minutes and five seconds in 2011. Now I can guarantee they didn't start out with 10 balls or, or seven rings. No, success is the progressive achievement of worthwhile goals. And and so they started 
small. They obviously saw that juggling was a worthwhile goal. It was their gift and, and maybe how they would make a living. But they didn't start with 10 balls. As a matter of fact, I thought, you know, I started juggling with two balls when I could only get up to three when I worked in produce, produce back in the day. But um, looking up the instructions on how to start juggling, you start with one ball and you learn to balance that one ball. And then you learn, you put two in there, you learn from your failures, why did I drop that? And you build on your successes. You know, once you've got that down, you add that third ball. And so as I, I looked at, you know, this past week, and I'm not belly aching, by the way. Uh, I'm just saying that uh, the thing, all the different, you know, things that I have going on, we have going on, I could have never done as a younger man. I was doing other things that were chaotic as well, um, but I would have been, just, it would have been too many balls. You know, even uh, in the midst of all of this, you know, having to travel to North Carolina, get my grad kids and all that, uh, all the, you know, going to go to the pool, want to go fishing, go out on the boat, do all the family things. In the middle of that, um, it, it's hard, you know, if I could separate myself, it'd be different. But we're all in the RV together. We're all close together. I can't go up to my office or whatever. Um uh, I've had to do the podcast, send emails, meet with people, schedule the next prison tour. It's very messy. Susan as well, in the middle of it all, she's had to do some online stuff, some bookkeeping and pay the bills, somehow juggle all of these things. But progress, fruitfulness, it doesn't have to always be this messy for you, but it is messy. And most of us, we like tidy we like things to be orderly. We like things like certainty. Um, and so as I got up this morning, I turned to Proverbs 14, 40 days, 14th day of June, and I flipped open to the Proverbs 14. When I don't have another reading plan, I always look into the Proverbs. It's a very familiar one. I'm sure I've probably shared it in a past podcast. It says, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. In other words, abundant crops means a messy manger. It means that you have an ox and you've got a manger that's messy. Um, the more you hope to reap, the messier things can get. The bigger a, a bigger crop takes even more oxen, which means more messy mangers. Can can you imagine somebody like um, any any? big high profile person but elon musk is somebody that comes to mind he's in the news a lot lately can you imagine how complicated that guy's life must be how much he's juggling at one time sure he's got a lot of money sure he's got a lot of help but it's a lot of it is all on him his business he's juggling a lot but here's the deal we're all human beings we all get 24 hours a day and progress comes from how well we use those 24 hours. Now, as followers of Jesus, our end game isn't money or stuff or fame or any of those things. Those, those can be byproducts or peripheral to walking out our calling in Christ. By faith, sometimes through many trials, twists, turns, we walk with Jesus into the unknown. As we do this, just like a juggler, we learn from our failures, we build on our success. And as we do that, our faith grows, our risks get bigger, 
and we're able to manage more little by little. Uh, a big question people often ask is what is God's will for my life? And of course, generally speaking, speaking, God wants us to have a fruitful journey in life like any good father, but we want specifics. What is God calling me to do? But God's plan is often an unfolding plan. He wants us to grow into our purpose by faith. He's not going to give us all 10 balls at one time and say, juggle. You're going to start small and you're going to build on that. You're going to be able to look back and see, well, God got me through this. He got me through that. Surely, even though I'm in the middle of chaos, he's going to bring breakthrough. And we've seen that time and time again. Listen, there's danger in demanding that your manger always be clean. Um, the fact is, it's going to be life is going to get messy. Some of you say, amen, you know that already. But it's going to get even messier if you want to be more productive. You want to take more ground. It's usually or very often going to defy convention. You know, I think of a friend who stepped out a few years ago. He's a listener of the podcast, and he, he's having a wild journey, man. Uh, you know, he left a very stable job uh, to step out and do what he felt the Lord was calling him to do. And I think I've probably influenced that decision a little bit. And uh, this summer... Uh, he, he's, I, if I get this right, he is, he, now he's got like, I think at least two, maybe three children, um, young family, small kids. And, and his job for the summer is he is a lighthouse keeper. <laughs> he is actually the keeper of a lighthouse, I guess, down near a beach in, in uh, North Carolina. And they're staying in an RV for the summer. Um, that's different. That's strange, but it's interesting. Uh, to me, it's fascinating. It, it, when you know, when we get outside of convention, not not foolishly, but we we sense the Lord leading us into these things. Now, again, we can sense the Lord leading us into something that ends up being a ball drop, but we can learn from that and grow. Um, but it's not conventional. It looks so strange. But it, to me, it's interesting. And it's a story worth reading, right? Or a story worth writing. And, and that's what I want my, my life to be is, you know, not, not just for the sake of being crazy, but I want to live an interesting life. I, I want to live a life that intrigues people and causes them to look at what makes me tick. And that is uh, a love of Christ and a gratitude for all he's done for us. Anyway, I hate to let people down. I hate to fail. I hate to make poor financial choices. I hate to hit a bad note or lose my voice while performing. But the fact is, it's through those failures, those setbacks, those dropping of a ball in the midst of a juggle that I learned. The hope is to less frequently drop balls to get better and better to learn from the failures and to build on success you know after this uh, crazy last couple of weeks yesterday i was determined that i am going to rest i'm going to try to do not much productive i'm just going to you know kick back lay around and do a whole lot of nothing and uh you know i did that for most of the day it rained trying to re kind of reset recalibrate and uh, in the evening, my son-in-law called and said, hey, we're taking uh, Ella, that's my granddaughter, to the carnival. You guys want to go? We'd really like you to go. And I said, no. 
man, that was that was tough. I hated to let him down. Um, I, I hate to not get to spend time with my granddaughter, but we spent quite a bit of time with her already. But I knew for the long term, I needed to rest. If I would have said yes, I would have probably been more irritable, had a bad attitude that night and into the next day. And today, I wouldn't be. I'm a little. I'm a little more peppy today. I had. I had the day off. Uh, I'm, I woke up this morning kind of excited about a new day, not dreading it. So let me. I'm going to give you just a couple of practical tips. Again, I, I sort of apologize for a lot of the noise going on in the background, but I guess it's a practical illustration. You just heard the AC go off again, and before you know it, I'll bet you one of these grandkids gets up uh, that we're juggling a lot at one time. Got a bunch of errands to run today. Got a donor I got to meet with today. And of course, there'll be things the family wants to do later today. So it's in every aspect a working vacation with a whole lot of juggling going on. So what what are some practical tips that I've found that, that help me? Look, barking dogs, I'm not gonna stop them because I want you to I want you to hear this, okay? The chaos that I'm working through this morning. Um, you've heard me talk about the almighty to-do list. Um, I, that is, to me, is vital. I don't know how you do life. I don't know how you keep from dropping balls if you don't write things down. So for me, I do this master brain dump at the beginning of every week. Okay, I'll pause for that one. Rhythm. Shut up. So I, I I do a master brain dump. I write down everything. I usually try to categorize it the best I can, like people, projects, um, pick up and purchase, those kind of things. Make little squares like checkboxes. I do it in pencil so that I can erase, but I do a, I, I got these I get these um, big kind of drawing, spiral bound drawing pads from Barnes and Noble. Uh, they work best for me. You can use whatever you want. So you can do it on a computer, but to me, uh, it's a good thing to separate myself from the computer to do this. I write each thing down, everything I can possibly think of that needs to be done. Sometimes I have to copy items over from the previous week. And then I try to prayerfully prioritize. I pray for wisdom. That's, you know, applied knowledge. You know, what is most important? What is the vital things that need to be done? I say prayerfully prioritize because sometimes conventional wisdom can get in the way of God-given spiritual wisdom. You know, sometimes, you know, I can have all these priorities that must get done, but I hear the Holy Spirit say something as crazy as, hey, you need to go to the movies today. Now, now, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit speaks to me, go to the movies. I, I am just drawing on one time when I had a million things to do. And uh, this was when we first launched Life on the Verge. We were short on money. I'm talking hand to mouth. And uh, in the middle of it all, instead of sitting down and writing fundraising emails and all the, trying to do things to raise more money so we wouldn't be selling our stuff off to buy groceries, I looked at Susan and I said, you know what, let's go to the movies. I just felt like that's what we were supposed to do. We went and saw a movie with Kevin James in it called Here Comes the Boom. And I tell you, it just, it refreshed me, man. It made me feel like, you know, I don't know. It just took, you know, going to the movies sometimes, if you have a history of doing that, getting some popcorn and all that stuff, it refreshed me. So I'm just saying that prayerfully prioritize your week, your day, rather, from your master to-do list. But always leave room for what the Holy Spirit might be saying is most important that day. 
uh, not always the conventional thing. We lean on convention until we feel the Holy Spirit saying, you know what, maybe it'd be a good idea to do this or make this call or, or break your convention. Now for me, I try to plan my week on Sunday night and I try to plan my mornings the night before. You know, I, I, when I, by that I mean I set out, if I'm, if I'm saying I'm going to run the next morning, I'm going to set my running shoes out. If, I, if I'm going to work on a music project, I set things up so I can get right to work. All right. It helps when looking at your to-do list and, and mapping it out. It helps to define the win for each day. I've talked about the book, The One Thing. You know, define the one thing that if I get this done, it'll make things better. Uh, this will be progress. Define that one thing. If I get this done, if I don't get anything else done, but I get this done. Now, that may be a small thing or it may be something it takes all day. But this is the one thing I must get done today. Um, another thing is to... Learn your rhythm and find your groove. In other words, where do you, when are you the most creative? Where do you, when do you do your your deep work best? It used to be for me late at night when the, when I had a young family, when the kids had gone to bed, and I would stay up till two o'clock in the morning, you know, working on a project or writing or putting things together. But as I got older, um, you know, I found that. I could get back to a more normal schedule and I do my best deep work like right now it's early in the morning before everyone else is up and save the busy work for later in the day when things get crazy if it's creative or it requires heavy concentration um, I need to do it in early in the morning before life gets crazy um, I, I use the Do Not Disturb on my phone. I don't know if you guys even know that feature exists, but you can set up Do Not Disturb. I have it set up, and the fact is, is that people can force a notification anyway, as someone just did. <laughs> In the middle of the barking dogs, the air conditioning going off, me concerned about my grandkids or my wife getting up, my phone goes off with a text. Somebody that I love and value forced a notification. Hey, man, what's up with you? Um but it does help a little bit send a signal to people hey i'm doing something give me a minute so i i do use that feature if you have an iphone i, I don't know about uh android it probably has the same feature you can find it you can set up powers that text won't go off automatically i do apologize but i won't next time i'll shut them down i'll put them away but be exposed to what i'm dealing with um the fact is, chaos is waiting later in the day, and it'll be difficult to find time to concentrate and isolate yourself, at least for me. So that's a practical tip. And then the last thing, and this is about learning to master the juggle or manage the juggle, is to set up a cutoff time for your work. Um, in the book, One Thing, now this guy almost gave himself a heart attack by not managing or mastering the juggle very well. He didn't set the regulators and he worked so hard uh, that he ended up in the hospital. And when he came back, he wrote the book, The One Thing. And he said, I plan my time off first. Now, I don't always do that, but I'm reminding myself right now to plan my time off first. For each day, vacation time, days off, plan them and guard them. You'll be a better you. You'll be more productive if you do that. Day-to-day, uh, -day, pick a stop time. You know, for me, I, in, a, in, a, in a perfect you know, uh, world when things are 
kind of more on a normal schedule. I try to plan my next day's work um, before I finish the current day, at the end of a current day. So at the end of this day, I write down, here's what is going to be the win tomorrow, what I'm going to do tomorrow. I set that up, kind of tidy up the manger a little bit. Um, and then I turn it off. Stop checking the emails. Stop taking the calls. Turn the computer off if you have to. And make time for recreation. Recreation. That's what the word comes from. To reset. Understand that muscles grow. Anything grows through expansion and contraction. You can't always be expanding. You can't always walk around with your muscles flexed and expect them to grow. They have to be contracted. You know, when you lift weights, that's what's happening. And that same rhythm works in life. It works in a farm field. A, farm, a field has to rest if it's going to continue to be productive. Well, anyway, I hope this was a, a perfect illustration this morning, but a little bit anyway, with the barking dogs and now now the lawnmower is going off around the, the campground and, and just the noise and the chaos of, uh, of just everyday life. Um, also, the things that you can't see, you know, the, the other things on my schedule that must be done today. There's, it's a juggle. And I'm certainly not belly aching. Matter of fact, I'm just um, basically trying to relate to you because I know you have your own craziness going on. Some of you are dealing with a massive commute back and forth to work. And you're, you know, there's a book called Ordering Your Private World. I'm sure I've spoken of it numerous times. Uh, when it was handed to me, I got mad. Matter of fact, it was handed to me by the man that just texted me uh, all the way back in about 1992 or three. My life was utter chaos at the time. I was juggling a young family, a massive commute, an extremely stressful job in law enforcement. Um, the schedule was rotating every two weeks. I had lots of court time because I was working in forensics, dealing with a lot of evidence. So I, I, I was working part time uh, as a police officer, you know, doing security different places. The juggle was insane. You know, kids having emergency appendicitis surgery and stitches and <coughs> all that stuff. My wife was having some health issues and operations and all the stuff was going on. He hands me this book called Ordering Your Private World. When I started to read it, I, I, I wanted to smack him in the head with it. Because I thought, dude, do you know how crazy my world is? I cannot do what this guy's talking about, different spheres of life. You know, you've heard my Living Life in Tune series, if you've listened any length of time. And I probably drew some concepts from that book, from that idea about kind of trying to divide your life into spheres and and manage and juggle, you know. And there was just no way I could do it at the time. But one of the first things I started doing all the way back, this was probably 93, is I started journaling. And to this day, you've heard me talk about it before, I journal quite frequently. I journal my feelings, prayers, you know, scriptures, um, events happening in, in, in our family life. But it is a great outlet. Putting things down on paper, whether it's a to-do list or a journal entry, to kind of just do a little bit of a brain dump about how you're feeling and your prayer, it is a great release. And that's, that's kind of a final tip in managing the juggle. Not only that, it's a great record of how God got you through yesterday. And it'll increase your faith to know He's going to get you through today and tomorrow. Hope that helps. God bless you. We'll be back at you and hopefully a little quieter next week. Bye.
sometimes falling angels fly I want to remind you that Life on the Verge is a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about our ministry at lifeontheverge.com. We appreciate your prayers and gifts of support to keep us on the road and in prison.